Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry to help you do church better. I'm your co-host, John Ronaldo, and I am joined here, as always, by Chris Wesley on this fine Wednesday. Today, Wednesday? Thursday, Thursday. morning. It's Thursday for us right now. How are you, Chris? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You must be uh, in the clouds, John, uh, not knowing what day of the week or incredibly bit busy so uh, it, maybe uh, a little bit of that but also it's it's starting to get up into the 70s here in vegas and so i'm kind of like getting really happy that it's starting to warm up here for us i'm i'm i'm, I'm yeah. in heaven right now well it's a crazy yeah it's it's that crazy time of year it's actually warming up uh for me as well um I got my winter camping in. Uh, anyone who follows me on social media knows that uh, I was able to escape to the woods, and and that was really exciting. And uh, after you know forty mile per hour winds, frozen lakes, and over two feet of snow, um, I'm now motivated to be into spring mode. So <laughs> I, I, I'm looking forward to the warm weather as well. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, those pictures looked uh, amazing, and so I think next time uh, I'll see if I have to get out there with you. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But, um, you know, uh, getting outdoors is something that motivates me. It's exploring, it's experiencing uh, things in an ideal sort of pristine way. And uh, where I'm going with this is those are two of my three top core motivations in life. What gets me up in going in the morning? And, and something I think we've talked about here on the podcast is uh, something that I've taken on, which is uh, a motivational core, uh, you know, training. And uh, with us, we've got a very special guest, uh, someone who's far more expertise in this, someone who is uh, uh, become a good friend, and I'm so excited to have him on the show, is uh, Dr. Joshua Miller, who is the executive director of the Inscape Center for Personal Vocation. Joshua, welcome to the show. Great to be with you, gentlemen. Very good to be with you. All right. So um, I know I just... Uh, give you a brief introduction of what you do, but uh, why don't you uh, share with our listeners, people who are not familiar with Inscape or uh, Unrepeatable, uh, just a little bit about who you are and and what you do uh, full-time. So uh, the co-author of Unrepeatable, Luke Burgess and myself, are firmly convinced that personal vocation needs to be a paradigm for ministry in the church and will be critical for renewing the church. And we've got a lot of wonderful teaching and beautiful examples of that in action. And yet personal vocation as a, as a formational paradigm seems to be on the periphery of a lot of church life, not in every place. There are pockets of formation in this, in this regard, but it's not enough. And so we had an organization called Inscape, which is an LLC. It's a for-profit organization. But we really wanted to emphasize partnership with Catholic institutions. And so we formed a non-for-profit, Inscape Center for Personal Vocation. And really our objective is to delve deeply into partnership with different Catholic institutions, show the value of personal vocation formation with them, and then promote it, study it, and show, show the deep effectiveness at all levels of taking each person as the way of the church very seriously. So that's what the uh, Inscape Center for Personal Vocation is all about. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, let, let's talk about personal vocation. And, and uh, I, I know that um, we've uh, talked about this before, but usually, typically, when people hear that word vocation, they think of religious life, right? Or mm-hmm. maybe they think of a specific career. But what you're uh, tackling, what you're talking about is something much deeper, correct? 
for sure. Uh, we, we tend to think about vocation as a state in life. And typically, as you pointed out, we, we tend to think of it as relating to priesthood or religious life. So if I was to say to you, gentlemen, hey, John, hey, hey, Christopher, I think my son, David, who's 20 years old, has a vocation, right? In Catholic circles, we would all be expected to understand that we think he's headed towards the priesthood. Hmm. And when we pray for vocations, we have that in mind as well. But thinking of it as a state in life, not only related to priesthood or religious life, but also just marriage too, also a state in life, is problematic for a whole bunch of reasons. And personal vocation is the unique calling that God gives to every person from the moment they're created until the moment they're, they're with him in glory and forever, really. So it includes every dimension of who we are, our state in life, the universal call to holiness, the daily grind, the daily following of him, and who we are as persons, which is where MCOR really fits in, how he created us to be. So, but personal vocation is that unique calling to each one. And that, that personal vocation, obviously you're talking, it's not just religious, but it's also not just career, right? You're not just saying that it's about jobs. I mean, it's, it's, it is much, you're talking much wider. And I think this is really interesting because this very much, I think, resonates with some of the younger populations. You know, you look at, at millennials and even to some extent, you know, uh, Generation X and certainly Zs as well, probably, is this idea of purpose, right? That, that our life is not about going to work, you know, nine to five, 40 hours a week and, and doing the job and then, and then living life outside of that. But we want meaning and purpose in all aspects of life, right? which is actually a generational shift. Can you kind of expand a little bit on, on kind of what you have seen in terms of uh, people's thinking and, and your own thinking around that particular topic? I entirely agree. There's a deep, deep hunger for, for lives of purpose. And yet there's a disconnect in how we talk about vocation. So I uh, help out with the Center for Leadership at Franciscan University of Steubenville. And Franciscan is one of the, the partners of Inscape center. So every single semester, every single semester, when we teach personal vocation as a paradigm to our young people, there's this sigh of, of relief because they come to the class wanting to live a life of meaning, a life of purpose, and yet they're thinking about vocation, that, that language that we use in the church so often as something down the road something to be discerned after graduation, whether it's career or whether it's marriage or priesthood, uh, religious life. And when we say that, look, no, you are uniquely created from all eternity to live for God in the present moment, in the now, now you're called, then the whole language and reality of personal vocation feeds that deep desire for a life of meaning and purpose. It's not just down the road, the Lord wants us to be used now. And so there's a great relief. They often talk about how it helps them uh, get, get free from some stress and anxiety, which is a huge burden on youth today. Yeah, and, and I think that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, Unrepeatable, uh, the book that you co-offered with Luke Burgess and uh, even the um, Motivational Core, M-Core training uh, really attracted me because I mean, that's, we are kind of growing up 
in this society where it's like, here are all the boxes, let's fit people into the boxes instead of really listening and understanding who people are. And as a youth minister with this huge call that the, uh, that our Pope and, and that the church is, uh, you know, uh, relaying about accompaniment and, and sitting with people and learning about people. Mm. One of the things I love about this is, yeah, it helps us discover who God has created you to be, not down the line, not five years from now, not after you graduate high school, but mm -hmm. who he's called you to be today. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, that sense of relief. And, um, you know, we actually uh, engaged in this process through our confirmation program, yes. um, which is huge because you think about confirmation, right? And we're commissioning people off into the world to go and make disciples. And if they don't understand their unique calling or their personal vocation, then they're going to have a hard, they're going to feel limited in how they can do that. Absolutely. And the coupled with that is when we help them to realize that there's a place in the world, there are needs in the world that, that only they can fill. They can only meet that. And it, it, it both dignifies the person and also gives a sense of a real responsibility that, that, and, and coupled with that too is is when we paint the picture that God wants you and in one sense needs you to help him build the kingdom of God. And when we do that in each of our unique ways, we're literally helping to build the whole story of salvation, make an eternal impact. And that resonates deeply. Uh, it's such a gift to the person. Cool. So um, you mentioned how uh, you mentioned one of your partnerships, Franciscan University, and how you teach personal vocation. Mm -hmm. Like, to talk a little bit more about that. Um, it, with these partnerships that you're developing, how like uh, is it? Is it just a course? What what type of training? What are the takeaways and the outcomes that you're hoping that that come from some of these partnerships? Yeah. Well, what's I'm somebody motivated to comprehend and express, to use the language of MCOR. I love that. So I need to be in learning mode. And then I also want to influence behavior and make an impact. Those are two other MCOR themes. So we are involved in different kinds of partnerships. Each of them involves a new learning about the effectiveness of personal vocation. And I'll share with them a few, uh, share them with you, um, a few of them. So here at Franciscan University, we have a, vocation coach program and I've trained about 50 faculty and staff and some spouses of faculty and staff here at Franciscan to be coaches for our Center for Leadership students and so we've, we've studied the effectiveness of that at a brief level there's an article in the Franciscan magazine about it but right now we're involved this semester in an extensive more formal study of the effectiveness of that program so that'll be published work. And the, anecdotally, students who take it seriously benefit hugely. So that's one program. Another program is with a, uh, a diocese on the East Coast where we are coaching pastors. And we're helping those pastors to get really grounded in who they uniquely are and then to build leadership teams uh, that can complement who they uniquely are. And our, our dear priests are so often treated as kind of sacramental functionaries. And because we think of vocation as state in life and because they're priests, they have so much burden of responsibility and they're often missed as unique men. So we wanna coach them and we're studying the effectiveness of that program as well. 
Um, also, the Diocese of, of uh, Birmingham doing an MCOR training starting next Monday oh. with a bunch of staff from their education department. And so that will also be uh, studied and we'll look at the impact there. And I'm hoping with Marathon Youth Ministry as well. Yeah, no, and uh, it, um, <laughs> I, I don't know if you're able to share which diocese on the East Coast, but I have a feeling it's this, one of the same ones I'm working with uh, doing some MCOR training. But yeah, uh, one thing that I've learned over the year um, is how when we help these youth uh, ministers and DREs really discover their unique identity, mm. uh, you're saying this with the students, there's that comfort, right? There's that yes. piece of like, oh, this is what motivates me. And at the same time, this is what drains me, right? Yes. And uh, one of the other reasons this was uh, a topic that attracted me so much is there's this book called When by Daniel Pink. Um, and he talks about timing is everything. Mm. And so he, he talks about timing in the day, but also your energy level. And, and with, with uh, MCOR and, and understanding your personal vocation, your unique calling, um, when you can understand what is, uh, what is becoming opposition and what is uh, moving you forward, it allows you to lean into God into different ways. And so, you know, for me as a leader, uh, knowing that my um, three core motivate, top three core motivations, which is explore, uh, um, experience the ideal and make the grade um, mm. are huge for me. Um, and so I've been able to sort of look at that. Um, and, uh, and, and, and then same thing with knowing other clients. Now, all right. Um, Instead of us going through all of the uh, possible core motivations, yes. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm going to kind of put you and John on the spot here because in front of me, I have John's three core motivations because <laughs> as part of my trial, I did that. So, Which um, I don't remember them right now. So this will be a good reminder them. for me. <laughs> all right. So, John, here's a reminder. It's improve, organize, and achieve the yeah. poten uh, achieve potential, right? Yeah. So improve, organize, and, and achieve potential. So... Um, Josh, if uh, John was a, a, someone going through this and he was looking at um, those three top core motivations, what are some of the things, like, uh, of course, you'll have to break down a little bit uh, of what those um, motivational cores are, but um, in what ways could he use those to help him understand his leadership potential and his unique identity and unique calling in life? Well, the first thing that I would do is I would break open some of his achievement stories. And we've talked right. about those. And what they do is they provide a basis for integrating those core motivations and understanding them as, as a unified drive. So that would be the, the first step. So and, go ahead. let's talk about that, the achievement stories. And that's one thing that's, so um, just to clarify for people, when we're talking about MCOR, it's an assessment process, right? Um, yes. And, uh, uh, questionnaire, but unlike a Strength Finders or a Myers Briggs, where you just jump into the questions, the very first thing we do is talk about the achievement stories, right? Yes. Um, can you explain why that is so essential, not just to the MCOR, but in in any kind of a, a assessment process? Well, one of the great psychological needs is for people to be really known and seen mm -hmm. and heard and listened to. And we have to have language, of course, to describe one another, to communicate. And so the language is absolutely vital. The language of core motivation is vital. But it's got to be grounded in that person's own story. And so MCOR is very distinctive, as you pointed out, because it's grounded in this qualitative 
dimension, uh, narrative dimension, but it leads to language that's absolutely vital for kind of naming what's in there. Mm. Uh, but as people share stories of activities they've really enjoyed doing, they believe they've done well, they light up, they are presenting really strong memories of being in, in life-giving action or action that was ultimately life-giving. And they're expressing a very distinctive pattern. It's like a soul's code. And so in that, we see where the themes are naturally integrated. So then later, as a person goes through the assessment and, and selects certain statements related to those stories as part of the assessment, top three core motivations come out. And then we, then we say, how do, how do we understand these individually and then together? And then the stories provide a means to do that. Okay. Yeah. So, so basically, um, it's not like these core motivations just come from a, a standard test. It's it, it, right. when you're taking them, you're thinking about that achievement story and, and answering those questions through that. Um, and so uh, the first step of someone going through this is not just sharing their achievement story, but then as they go through those core motivations, breaking those open through the perspective of that. Yes, exactly that. Okay. And then, and then the next, after going through it, it's identifying in those core motivations, what's essentially true, mm -hmm. um, you know, what's somewhat about them, right? And then maybe there, because not every core motivation is going to nail you down a hundred percent, right? There, right? There might be some things that aren't so true. Um, the, the part that strikes me that I, I find really um, interesting is when we get to the uh, integrated statement, right? Mm -hmm where we say I'm fundamentally motivated to blank as I blank and blank. Talk a little bit more about that and the importance of having that integrated statement uh, when it comes to breaking down like those core motivations. Sure. I think it's really because as single unique persons, we are unified. And when we're in psychological health, there's this unity of action that we have. Um, and so when we, when we are able to, to see and demonstrate and talk about the unity of a motivational drive that really shows up everywhere in life. We're able to we're able to help people understand how they function as single beings when they're at their best. And so just like when we're distracted by different things and have six different things going on at once, it's, it's we're unable to move. When we understand that God has endowed us with this, with a, a unique single drive, it can be manifested in various ways. It's, uh, it's a way to help people really manage their energy, understand uh, this part of discernment where we look at our created design and do our best work mm. for God and for neighbor. When uh, someone comes across that statement, like mm -hmm. is that just served, meant to be served as a reminder? Um, is that something that um, like, kind of like, all right, now that I'm, I'm seeing these, um, core motivations, maybe mm -hmm. now that I know these achievement stories and I know my integrated statement, like yeah. wh what, what do I do as a leader moving forward with that? Um, yeah. A number of things, okay. a number of things. One of our partners in the, uh, the, um, DC area has an exercise where they, they're cultivating young professionals and they've got an exercise where they link the core motivated statement with leadership style. So that's one thing. How am I going to show up as a leader? So if I, if I jump over to John for a bit, right? So John is one who, assuming these, these themes resonate with you, John, seeing potential, seeing possibilities, 
and, and a, a vision of, of future possibilities as, as a leader doing that, but then also setting up the organizational framework for those possibilities to be achieved. And that in, in that organizational framework for possibilities to be achieved, always making things better, always enhancing. So a vision of leadership that focuses upon improvement, seeing potential, and then setting up an organizational framework for, where those things can take place. So that would be my first shot at what might be a leadership style that John has. How does that resonate, John? That, that resonates completely. And this is when, when Chris and I were, were, were working through this, I laughed because I said, that's my job. Like that's <laughs> like with what I do at Paris Success Group, that's exactly what we do. We 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 look at a vision that could be yep. and, and and we strive for it. We see the potential, we organize it and we plan for it and, and it's a continual improvement. And so I laughed when when Chris named those three core motivations because I said I have now, as a 40-year-old minister working for the church for many years, I have now found my job mm. that is perfectly, in my mind, is perfectly mashed with not only my strengths from like strength finders and things like that, but with these core motivations. So I just, I couldn't help but smile when Chris was walking <laughs> that through me. I'm like, yep, sounds about right. So what, can I ask this, John, what happens when you're in maintenance mode as a leader manager and things are humming along fairly well, but there's not as much opportunity for vision casting potential and making a lot of improvements. Um, I get bored to be, to be quite honest when, when things are just kind of going right. And it's just like things are humming along. Right. Uh, if I don't have the opportunity to continue to, to look to, okay, how do we make this better? How do we make the system better? Or, or if I can't find a way to see where are we going, right? Connecting mm -hmm. that with the future, like I'm going to get bored. I'm going to get demotivated. I am going to be unengaged or disengaged in the process, uh, which is why for me personally, like my own personal growth, for instance, is, is an important piece. And we've had podcast episodes on that as well. It's like, yeah. how am I continuing to learn and grow? Because that's how I help my organization, my ministry, and the people I work with learn and grow as well. Uh, and, and so I've built those habits, but when there are times that I'm not intentional about that, I feel stagnant. Uh, I'm not as, as motivated to just use that word. I'm not motivated. Right. So circle, circling back a bit to, to what uh, Christopher you, you asked about application, there's just so much there, right? Uh, that we yeah. could talk about in terms of application. Yeah. So, also, intimacy with God is another thing. I'm mm. more and more really interested in exploring that, that when, we're, when we do the thing that we're created to do, we can feel God's good pleasure and also recognize where we sin, where we go off the rails and what we need to do to manage ourselves so that we're giving our very best. So there's so much in terms of personal growth, team building, spiritual development, intimacy with God. Uh, that can be achieved when we understand at a deeper level how he's uniquely motivated and designed us. Well, and, and that's why going back to when we were just kind of bantering, uh, the reason I go into the woods, you know, my core motivation is to explore and, and, you know, uh, talk about prayer life too with journaling is those are two ways that I experience God where, you know, you're just, I'm just constantly amazed or in awe by his beauty and power either out in nature or with journaling, there's no like parameters or any, anything like that. So, you know, for me, like that, that's something that draws me closer to God to mm -hmm. be more intimate with God in that regards. And, and so for me, that's very important. Um, 
you know, one of the pushbacks I've heard though, and, and, and interested in your thoughts is when people feel like they don't have control over that environment, right? Like, so say John is in a situation where he doesn't get to, um, you know, experience or, uh, you know, achieve potential and, and everything along those lines. What, what are, uh, outside of maybe leaving that job, or maybe it's not about leaving that job, it, like what, what solutions or things do you offer uh, or suggest to people that they do when they, they find that they're in a work environment that doesn't necessarily match up with their core motivation? I think it's a great question, and there are several things. One is that we look at ways for people to collaborate with those who complement their core motivations and, mm -hmm. and vice versa. And there's a lot that can be done in the work environment where, let, yeah, let's say we got the same job we got to do, same job description. Mm -hmm. Still, we can be fluid in terms of collaboration. Sometimes that, that really helps. Oftentimes by adding activities, even if it's on a weekend, that can really help to recharge us. So you talked about going into the woods for exploration as a time to recharge. Sometimes removing a certain activity that just particularly sucks the life out of us can, can sort of be a log jam release. Like if you imagine a river just chuck full of logs that it's, it's uh, so the, the river can't flow effectively. Sometimes removing an activity can, can help to unleash more flow of good work. But finally, it's very possible for us to reframe activities in a variety of ways. And sometimes that reframe can really help to release motivational energy. For example, let's say I'm fundamentally motivated to overcome obstacles. And every Friday I have to do a job expense report, right? Or you know, meet with parish council and go over budget for next year. And I just can't stand that stuff. Well, if I reframe it as an opportunity to overcome an obstacle, even though it's you know, routine, let's say, but thinking about it that way can actually add motivational energy. Mm. Like, well, I'll get the expense report done in half the time and challenge myself to do that, right? So there are ways that we can, it's not, it's not um, subjectivism or sort of a Zen approach that denies the reality, but we're thinking about it differently and, and therefore channeling our motivations differently, even though it's the same task. Um, and I think in, in great struggles where we just have to do something that's a hard cross, we can still steer into that as much as possible with the motivation that we have. And, um, and in that reframe, it can become um, an opportunity for us to engage more deeply. Mm. I can definitely see this also as a positive management tool, right? If I have a team, um, I'm going to be more conscious of the assignments or projects that I put on my team. Not that I would necessarily not give that to that person. Um, and you don't want to use these as an excuse not to do like these, like, like you said, well, I don't do any expense reports because that's not my Well, yeah, then you go broke. Oh, right. Um, but it, it's more of, uh, yeah, managing that time and that energy and, and, and understanding how to refuel uh, through mm -hmm. that. So, yeah, um, one of the way one of the ways that we've started 
looking at that with Marathon Youth Ministry is working with um, some diocesan directors and how they manage even their staffs and their teams and saying like, okay, knowing what drives and what doesn't drive your yeah. team, like what projects are you putting them in front of? Or like, maybe this is why they get distracted in those, in those different circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I think just as fundamental to this, uh, you, you talk about a manager managing folks, right? Whether it's a, a pastor managing his pastoral staff or a, a children's minister managing the volunteers, a lot of it's based on relationships, right? We, yes. And I often go back to that. It's like, you got to build the relationship. So doing something like MCOR, you know, can, can help you understand the motivations of your team, but it's not going to help you if you're not in relationship with them, right? Yes. And so how are we intentionally related with them? That's a, that's a different podcast. We've talked about that before, but I wanted to make the connection to what, what you guys are doing with MCOR, the motivations and how the relationship building between the pastor and his staff or the children minister and the volunteer or whatnot is so essential to this. It's so it's not just enough to do an assessment and say, okay, I've got it all down, you know, but it, we have to be intimately connected as, as ministry leaders together in our ministry, in our church. Absolutely. And I'd love to comment on that. We talked a little bit about the achievement stories as a basis for, for, um, MCOR as a basis for naming those core motivations in the assessment. And by itself, drawing out and listening to the achievement story of another person is a huge opportunity to build relationships. So a great little anecdote, I was up in Camden, the Diocese of Camden in New Jersey, leading a workshop on team building. And then another one on, on achievement story as a, as a way to cultivate personal vocation. So I, what we do is we break up the groups there into pairs, they identify an achievement story, and they take literally five minutes apiece to just draw out the story of the person in action and what they enjoy doing. And then I ask them to just reflect what they noticed about the other person. Deep moment of empathy. So afterward, a woman stood up and she said, you know, Maria, I'll use that name, Maria and I have been going to mass together for 10 years daily mass, 10 years, and I've learned more about her in 10 minutes than I have over the last 10 years. Because we don't often take time to draw out the achievement story of the other person and then reflect back what we're noticing. And when we notice it and share what we notice, it, it's a great example of, of being seen and heard in a mutual way. And that builds huge relational capital on teams. Very, very significant. Yeah. Well, and it's a reflection of how God sees and hears us too. Yes, right? um, exactly. And, and it's just a way of sharing that love. And, and that's one of the things that I love about doing this with teenagers. You know, we've talked about adults and, and, and young adults, but even with teenagers taking a couple of my confirmation candidates through it and just saying, you know, um, and so much of like what they're thinking about is where they're going to go to college, what they're going to do and everything and not thinking about the environments that set them up uh, best for that, that avenue. Like not just looking at a college because it has that degree, but like the environment that they're going into, uh, the support network that they're surrounded by um, and, and even the way that they approach that. So I think like um, for the, this is one of the reasons it's such a great tool is it's applicable to no matter where you are in your stage of life or season of life um, for sure. Uh, so, 
So, um, you know, you've talked about some of your partnerships and, and let's just say someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, how, how do I, how do I learn more? How do I go through, um, uh, either MCOR or connect with, um, Inscape Center for Vocational, uh, Personal Vocation? Like Josh, what are some of the best ways that if people want to go deeper into this and see how it impacts them individually or even as an organization, um, how, how, how do they go about that? So MCOR is available right now at inscapevocations.com and there'll be a link there to Inscape Center as well. And so they can, under the tools and training tab, they can take MCOR. There's also a workbook on discerning personal vocation that's available on that website too. And that is linked up with MCOR so those are some options. Uh, there will be on the Inscape Center site more and more of those resources as well, uh, but put that in the forthcoming bucket. I, I think that one, one very easy approach is to, to get a copy of the book Unrepeatable, Cultivating the Unique Calling of Every Person. And uh, there's a chapter in there in particular around empathic listening and mentoring with empathy. And we talk about how to go through an achievement story exercise there and to share it. And that's a very simple way to start encountering one another around moments of profound, unique depth. And when we listen to one another share those stories, there's just a lot of magic that happens. There's a lot of grace in there. And I love what you said, Christopher, about how this is in some ways a reflection of how God loves us. Definitely. So um, we'll definitely have uh, that link uh, in, in our show notes and everything. And uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend reading Unrepeatable. Uh, such a great book. Uh, don't wait till the summer. It's not just a summer read. It's an all time read. And, and everything like that. <laughs> I appreciate that, brother. Yeah, no, no, no problem. Um, and, uh, you know, outside of uh, um, uh, the website, uh, how else can people uh, connect with you if they, they want to reach out and learn more? So I'll just give my, my email address right now. So it's, it's uh, josh at inscapevocations.com. That's one simple way. Okay. And we'll be, uh, be responding to interest, particularly in, in how we can use personal vocation formation as a way to, to really help bring renewal. And MCOR is a big part of that because it gets at this creative design, which is so central to personal vocation. Awesome. Awesome. All right, John, any uh, final questions before uh, we wrap this up? No, I, I just think this has been an intriguing conversation. And again, one of the things we try to do in this podcast is kind of get some different perspectives and different ways of looking at ministry and what we do. And, and Josh, I just appreciate that you brought that perspective with us today. And so I am eternally thankful uh, for you taking the time to be with us and the work that you're doing. And uh, We'll definitely link, like Chris said, we'll link to this in the show notes. Just go to the churchpodcast.org and connect there on episode 124. And all those links will be there. And that way, if you are interested, you can connect with Josh directly. Thank yes, you, definitely. John and Christopher. Yeah, uh, no problem. And, and again, thanks for uh, being on the show and and, uh, and sharing with us a little bit about uh, Inscape and, and court, uh, uh mcor and uh if you guys want to check out this episode or download it just go to the churchpodcast.org as john suggested if you want to reach out to us uh go to questions at the churchpodcast.org 
Um, say, though, you want to talk more with John than me. John, what's the best way to reach you? You're welcome to connect with us at parissuccessgroup.com or follow me on Twitter at John Ronaldo. And you can always find me at allthingsmarathonyouthministry.com. Uh, definitely look forward to connecting with you. And, um, you know, I have no problem talking to, to you all about uh, MCOR as well. For me, it's been a huge part of, uh, of my ministry and, and my life. So again, huge thanks to you, uh, Josh, and uh, thank you for being on the show. And do you mind closing us in prayer? No, I'd be happy to. Let me just start by thanking you for the opportunity, Christopher and John. It's been really a delight to be with you. But let's pray together. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, we are here on earth now with one another to build your kingdom. And Lord, there is a place for us, not only in heaven, but right now on this earth. And you want us to be here. Lord, we ask you to bless us and each person listening to this podcast that each of us would grow more and more uh, deeply engaged in who we are in you and do the work that you've called us to do for your glory and for the building up of each person around us. Lord, we thank you, we bless you, we praise you, and we give you our lives. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thanks, gentlemen.